Hello, and welcome to the Human Entropy Podcast, a podcast where we can discuss the chaos, the adversity, and the triumph that is being human. I'm Felicia Parker. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm passionate about sharing the resilience I see in other people that inspire me to chase what makes me feel most alive. This is a place to be a friend, a place to encourage, and a place to challenge. This is Human Entropy. So I listened back through the interview that we did prior, um, and this is good that we're redoing it in general because the audio was really bad because I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> but hopefully this will be so much better. But um, I kind of just made little notes of what we mentioned and kind of just figured we could start fresh, um, but with some direction because I have noted what we talked about before um, and then continue on if that's okay. 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 So, well, first of all, do you want to introduce yourself and say what you do? Yeah. Well, I'm Laura Huff, and I'm a dream worker and a spiritual director. And um, what I do is I listen to people's dreams and help them understand how those dreams are part of, you know, the big message about what's going on in their life and how they're being led to understand, like, really important stuff about themselves yeah and it's not anyway we'll talk about exactly where that that goes (laughs) you made this awesome or you painted this awesome picture when I interviewed you the first time and you mentioned how you had the you called it the chill bumps moment when you were eight when you realized that metaphors were a thing and you talked a little bit about Narnia yeah so do you want to share that aha moment? Because I think it's a really cool story. Yeah, that really was an important moment. So, um, you know, I was a big reader, but my mom, who had several other kids by this time, started me out on chapter one. She mm-hmm. read aloud the first chapter of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and handed the book over to me, and I devoured it. And when I got mm-hmm. to the very end, there's this moment where I realized, wait a minute, this story that I just finished is like the Jesus story. It's like, they're the same thing. Mm. It was this, I mean, big aha. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that things can mean two things. Something can mean two or more things at the same time. Yeah. And so that, that was like learning where the door to Narnia was. It was like the door to metaphor and the door to meaning and meaning making. Yeah. It was a pretty big moment. (laughs) Yeah. And now meaning making and metaphors is very huge part of your life. (laughs) As an English teacher, they paid me to do that, but I had to grade, you know, papers. So um, I didn't love it as much. But um, Mm. yeah, now we just talk about, you know, what's going on in those dreams. And Mm. what I learned is, you know, it's not like some people have this ability and other people don't. It's mother tongue. We all are able to participate in metaphor and Mm. your metaphors that show up in, in your dreams. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch these big aha moments burst forth. And that is essentially what you do is just help people find the aha moment with their dreams. You know, sometimes there's this big aha while we are together. And you, I mean, usually there's some insight that, that is significant. And then it's like, why is that important? How does that 
ask you to change your life in some way mm -hmm. that really makes you more whole mm -hmm. and able to serve the world, you know, mm -hmm. from a deeper, richer, braver, more compassionate place. Because that's what those dreams are doing, is they're helping you turn into yourself. That's the reason we're doing it. Because it's, and it's not easy. There's some suffering and growing and it's wonderful. So having somebody with you, yeah, if, I mean, I, I love this so much. So mm -hmm. yeah, and over time, you know, just watch how those dreams fit together. So I love your passion for it. It makes me smile. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> and it makes me want to know my dreams, the ins and outs. But you mentioned the last time we talked that you needed it to be clear. You're not a guru. You're just there to sort of help connect the dots. Is that the way you would well, say it? So you have a dream mm -hmm. and there's kind of uh, sort of a storyline to it often, not really yeah. a formal storyline, but you know, there are all these images and it's like, okay, what does that mean to you? And then sometimes it's helpful to have, you know, somebody who's like, I've, I've done a lot of symbol study and a lot mm -hmm. of archetype study. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there's things to connect to in the, in the larger world, you know, like maybe a, you know, you find out, oh, well, there's a, there's a whole, like, maybe it's, maybe it's like, I mentioned the Christ image in the Narnia story, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, you discover, oh, well, you know, what do people talk about when they talk about birds? What do they mean? What is a bird in a dream? And there are all this rich association to birds in the collective culture. So there's that kind of thing I can help with. But um, a lot of it is just asking and projecting a little bit around that dream gently until the dreamer goes, oh, wait, I get this. This is this is what this feels like. It's mm -hmm. asking me to see. So, yeah, yeah, it's a back and forth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned that you have four types of dream work that you do in your practice. For at least, yeah. So we at do. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one-on-one -on -one dream work where you sit down and we you know, we have a, we talk about your dream and that could be one time or, you know, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I, I love dream groups and that is rich beyond imagining. It is, and it's not, it's very restrained in terms of like, we don't get all over your personal stuff. There's a really good method mm -hmm. to preserve your privacy, but it's astonishing. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I write about dreams and I teach about dreams and do workshops and stuff. So I think that's four. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. The last time I talked to you, you said that every night we get to participate in this big metaphor. And I think that is very poetic. And I agree. Um, and you talked about that on your discovery to doing dream work. By the time you discovered that that was a thing that you could do, you sort of already had half the work down because you knew the ins and outs of metaphors. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of born that way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was always, it's always been fascinating mm -hmm. is to see how, what does it mean, you know, to see, you know, the sunrise, just take something really every day, like literally every day there's a mm -hmm. sunrise. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So we see the sun come up over the horizon. What does it mean? Right. There's all this, these associations that you can talk about, you know, maybe that's enlightenment, maybe that's hope, maybe that's resurrection. Maybe that, I mean, there's a, all these sort of clusters of meaning around an image and in the dream of course it's like well what's the new day dawning for you what's mm -hmm. the what's the new light about what gets illumined in you what's rising you know mm -hmm. and so that's how that that's how that works 
And so having been not only a lover of poetry and story and myth and symbol, but also, you know, having taught that for years, it, it was pretty natural. And I learned that, oh, dream work is a thing. Yeah. So I've, been, I've been following my dreams. I've been, you know, keeping up with them mm-hmm. for a while, but I didn't quite see what they were up to. Yeah, I had to learn that. So, so then how long have you been doing dream work now? About 20 years. So I went to school for that, right? So I, I did a two-year dream study thing and then um, at, at the Hayden Institute. So they have a program there. And then I did a sort of an apprenticeship with a dream group leader. And then, yeah, I just started uh, doing groups and later one-on-one work. And That's so fun hearing you talk about that. I just had the thought that you probably get to meet incredible people that you would not know otherwise. But you know, here's the thing. People don't know they're incredible. And then um, those dreams help them see their gold, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That's what dreams are helping us do is see that amazingness that that we're born with. So it's kind of like your dreams show you that you're incredible <laughs> <laughs> and that the whole adventure of living is deeper and a lot more, you know, significant than maybe you feel like your everyday life is. So that's so cool. Do you want to share the dream, which before I mention it, you told me last time that any dream that you share, you have permission to share. Yeah. But you mentioned a dream that a woman had about her and a whole bunch of people building tents, but all these cats kept getting in the way. Is that right? So I guess this kind of illustrates the way we play around with a picture or a situation in a dream. Mm-hmm. So so in this one, it was a good model. You know, in this dream, the, the dreamer was trying to... Um, put up tents. In fact, there were a whole field of people trying to set up tents. But there are all these cats kind of milling around, getting in the way and curling through their, you know, between their ankles and kind of, you know, just making it hard. (laughs) (laughs) And they were getting more and more frustrated as they sort of rigidly trying to get these tents assembled. It was just a little piece of a dream, but it was the piece that was kind of an aha for her. And the way we played around with it, it ended up like, oh, wow, look at how intense she is. Mm-hmm. You know, is what she was feeling. I'm intense. And there's all this distracting cat energy, you know, kind of just moving around here. This what kind of curvy, nonlinear, playful, slightly annoying, you know, distracting energy. And so we started playing with that and moving like a cat. What's it feel like to move like a cat? And that kind of lit us up as a way of playing with the dream, going, oh, wow. That is just way more feminine and less focused and more playful and more fun. And it was life-giving. And there's just kind of this invitation to integrate some cat energy into the life, mm-hmm. into the into the projects, you know? So that wasn't the whole dream, but that was a piece that stood out. And a lot of times you get just sort of like, ah, here's one thing I can do Mm -hmm. to honor the dream and play with it and waking life, you know, and let it take me the next step. Because it's a lot about, we really, it's relating to the dream and being curious about it and participating in what it's offering rather than mastering it, you know? You mentioned that even almost what might seem like nonsensical dreams 
or senseless dreams, you told me you believe every dream has meaning. They really are purposeful. And it's, you know, dream studies, the, the neurological dream studies are fascinating. I am not going to speak to that because that is not my area of expertise, but I read about it. They're begin some of the dream researchers are starting to talk about the purposefulness of dreams and how, and I don't want to get off on this too much, but, you know, measuring things like, oh, they lock in learning, they regulate emotions, they just help bring down the energies and, and the intensities that we can kind of get ourselves all worked up about. And, you know, like Shakespeare said, it's sleep knits up the ravel sleeve of care. That's what he said. You know, just sleep on it. And the dreams do their work, whether or not we remember them or actively do any dream work. But the point I wanted to get to is dreams come for a reason. They give us what we need to live our lives better the next day. And I don't mean like, more excellently in terms of some performance, but with more, um, more of that core participation, you know, like from our essence, mm. what is our, what is that God given essence want to express in our lives? Mm. That's the invitation that the dream is focused on turning into yourself a little bit more every day. And that's those dreams help us. And it's hard to see it sometimes other people can see it for us. We have our blind spots, but oh, that's an invitation. There's a correction. Here's an invitation or something. So here's a feeling to steer by, that kind of thing. And sometimes you get a big dream. Sometimes you get a big dream that's like, this is one I never forget. This is one you come back to. It, it kind of sets your course for a while in your life, the next season of your life. Definitely. Yeah. And on that note, you also said you think even nightmares have meaning. And I think when we talked last, you talked about how neurologically they help deeply with your mental health. Well, you know, it doesn't feel, they're alarming. You know, they're really scary. They wake us up. We have, you know, all that physiological response, you know, the increased heart rate. We're gasping, sometimes screaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, people wake themselves up screaming or crying sometimes. And so there's this huge reaction that tells us our waking eco-consciousness, this is so important. Don't forget this. So it comes in this big, loud, frightening, alarming way, you know, so that we don't yeah. forget. If you wake up with a nightmare, it's trying to get your attention for something. So you, there are ways to work with nightmares to, you know, kind of take the edge off and go back in from a, you can work with that to sort of see, well, what is really, what is it that's trying to, get into my waking consciousness, you know, um, that had to kind of burst away through. And so I think once you kind of calm down, you can, you can start to see that it's, it's an urgent need. It's like the sirens. You know, I think of the emergency and the, in the nightmare as being a place of emergence for the psyche, how it is we want to grow. You know, like for instance, being break-ins, you know, this is sort of a common one. There's some sort of a break-in, thief in the night, you know. It's that idea that there's something that you need to see about yourself, some aspect of your personality that is hidden. We don't see it in our waking life because ego doesn't want to. But then there's this break-in and it's like, look, I had to get through the back door by <laughs> smashing the glass. You know, and threatening you. <laughs> yeah. Take a look. Things that we don't want to know about ourselves is part of our wholeness 
And the thing is, you know, we we treat other people who have some, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. You know, let's say you have a dream. So I'm going to borrow one from somebody. Let's say you have a dream about this. This is sort of a straight-laced person who is, who is dreaming this. And this sort of shaggy kind of bum shows up in his dreams. And is kind of demanding and and insists on, you know, like sitting down at the table with them and insists on just kind of intrudes on him, you know. Finally, the guy says, okay, what is it? Why do I keep getting invaded by this guy um, who was scary at first and then just sort of a bother? And he kind of finally figures out, oh, wait. There is some aspect of myself that really takes it a lot easier, that just goes with the flow and lets life unfold and is not quite so, you know, driven by structure and control and this linear thinking. And Mm -hmm. these two parts of himself needed to befriend each other, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he could integrate over time a more trusting, relaxed, let it flow kind of way of living which I think other people appreciated rather a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've ever known anybody who's really rigid and, you know, so that's the kind of thing that a dream can do for you. But if you reject that in other, see, but he was rejecting other people who carried that energy. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. looking down on them. So we do that too much, you know, dreams will show us who, who we're looking down on and excluding in our waking life. If you're kind of casting aspersions on somebody or pointing out people who have, you know, particular characteristics or whatever you look at yourself that's that's happening in you you gotta you gotta acknowledge that inside first you describing that dream made me think of quite a few times when we worked at the preschool together I asked you (laughs) to help me figure out a few dreams um and you asked we I think you always ask me to describe the setting um but you asked me to describe the main subject of my dream, whoever it was about or who was in my dream with me, you asked me to describe them with three adjectives. And you told me that them in my dream was actually a portrayal of the version of myself I just described. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. You know, one way of looking at a dream is to say that everything in the dream is a part of the dreamer Mm. and carries some sort of maybe not so conscious, you know, inside it's in the unconscious, but it's, showing up to be seen through the dream. So, yeah, so if there's a person in the dream or, you know, maybe it's, I mean, this happens all the time. You know, you go, what is, you can just ask somebody, um, like somebody had a COVID dream, you know. A lot of people are having COVID dreams. Okay? But, um, they're so fun to read these things. But, you know, you go, okay, so what is COVID? They identify this COVID. You're like, okay, well, pretend I have no idea. I'm a Martian. I have no idea what you're even talking about. And so they're like, well, there's this terrifying germ and we don't know where it comes from and we don't know who has it and maybe you will get it and maybe you will die, but maybe you don't even know you have it. And may, and I'm like, okay, so what it, could that be besides how is that disease a metaphor for something going on in the individual? Some mm-hmm. sort of powerful thing that has damaging qualities and will show up from time to time. You know, it's like getting bigger and bigger. I don't know the guy's name, but you mentioned there are three levels of consciousness. It was someone named Carl's theory. Yes, we need to know about Carl Jung, J-U-N-G. Okay. First name Carl, Carl Jung. He was a Swiss psycho, well, psychologist, medical doctor. (laughs) 
I um, just heard he was a Swiss psycho. <laughs> he is not a psycho. He is okay. incredibly wise. <laughs> He was born in the last part of the 1800s and died in 1961. Yeah, he learned some things, pretty important things from Freud. Mm -hmm. Then he went on to develop his theory of the unconscious. You know, kind of Freud was like, I mean, this is super simplified, but Freud's like, yeah, that's where all the trash lives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is like, that's the, that's, that's all the crap you just don't want to know about. And it's, you know, and he pretty much said, and it's all sex, you know, and, <laughs> I mean, that's super simplified. But Jung gets in there, he goes, no, I think this is where the gold is. Mm -hmm. The unconscious is where we kind of connect to our divinity. God's down there, although he didn't use the word God. He didn't want to be taken as a mystic. He wanted to be a scientist, but he kept, you know, like showing up as a mystic in the world yeah. too. I mean, he had this really gorgeous connection between science and participation in, you know, the deep mystery of the human consciousness. So yeah. he talks about, you know, there's your ego consciousness. It's like the tip of the iceberg. It's uh, the part you see. It looks normal on the outside. It's just this little bitty bit, though, mm -hmm. because underneath the water, there's the personal unconscious. That's everything that we don't know about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you forgot. Maybe you never knew it. Maybe you repressing it. Big chunk. Mm -hmm. of the personality but then he has this wild theory and it's just so exciting mm -hmm. he said and then there's this thing called the collective unconscious and that is the shared consciousness that we that is below the surface mm -hmm. it's unconscious but it's alive and active and it is shared by every human that ever was and that is like the entire ocean yeah it's that big it's that wild so our dreams are coming from both the personal and the collective unconscious. Like, what do we need to, what do we need to know for now? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's that sort of dream giver or dream architect or however you want to talk about it that crafts from those things, as well as from like things that we remember from our waking life that day or distant past and puts it together into this dream and everything starts kind of connecting to each other and these resonances show up and you go, Oh my gosh, the associations are just thickly clustered. The feelings, you kind of feel down into that. You go, oh, wow, that was a very intense feeling. And you start seeing how it makes sense as a kind of a love letter from your soul, mm -hmm. you know, luring you into this deeper, richer manifestation of who you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And I know it's wild to just claim that stuff, but yeah, maybe we need a dream that helps with that. Yeah. Well, I have been writing my dreams down for a little while. I haven't been keeping up with it as good and we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I think I could find one that could potentially bring forth more if meaning. You want to do this on the show? If you're okay with it. I'm not going to pick a super if intimate you're okay one. With it. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not going to do a super vulnerable, intimate one, but maybe more of a lighthearted one. I wrote this down in my phone at 3.30 in the morning. I think... I probably went up to go to the bathroom and I was writing it down still half asleep, but probably won't make any sense what I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to read. I was getting in a literal physical altercation with an old man that worked at a movie theater because he accused me of sneaking into movies without paying for them. He tried to kick me and he knew the exact time and date that I had snuck into each movie and he wouldn't listen to me when I tried to tell him he was lying I was quick and witty and explained that he was crazy, but he still didn't listen. So I got another employee 
and the other employee told me there was nothing I could say to change this man's mind. It, this happened in the house. That's what they said. This happened in our house. So we know it happened. And I came up with so many reasons why that was so ridiculous. But deep down, I, I think I knew in the dream that I was lying, that I was sneaking into movies. Um, and I paid for only one, but then I kept going to several others because um, I thought I was going to be able to lie really well. Um, but I didn't want to be exposed in front of everybody of how bad of a person they were making me out to be. Okay. So that that's my dream. <laughs> okay. And it, so it ended with you kind of going, oh. Yeah, silently. it, kind of, it ended in front of like it, a crowd of people surrounding, like waiting for me to admit that I had been sneaking into the movies. So in the dream, did you admit or did you um, just, you woke up sensing that, you know, maybe they're right? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I knew in the dream that I was lying, but I don't think I admitted that I did. Yeah, okay. the so, yeah, the unspoken, like, ah, uh, yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, um, so um, I'll just ask you a few questions. So this, uh, okay. this old man, tell me, like, what is he... Um, what does he look like? What does he, any adjectives about him? He, that I can remember, he was a little bit shorter, like maybe only an inch taller than me, and I'm 5'4". Um, he had hair on the sides of his head, but not the top, so he was basically bald. Okay. Um, bigger glasses, um, little mustache. Um, he had a great uniform. I think the shirt was like a, almost a burgundy like um collared t-shirt um with khaki pants and really nice dress shoes and he had one of those theater name tags on his shirt but that is what i can remember from do you know his did you read his name you don't remember that do you i don't remember his name unfortunately all right what's his race um he was white okay yeah and um then this other guy who comes up mm -hmm. um Describe him a little bit. He was very tall, um, brunette. Mm, I don't think I could tell you what race he was. I don't really remember as much because he wasn't who I was in an argument with. But yeah. um, he had his arms crossed over his chest, like standing with the old man, like waiting for me to come yeah. clean. Yeah. Okay, right this minute, cross your arms like that. Stand up and cross your arms like that. Okay. And just tell me how you feel. What comes up? Mm. Um, I don't know why, but the first word that came to my mind was, I don't even know if this is a word, unmovable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you can participate in a dream character's energy a little bit like that, then you start to tap into like, what's the dream about? So I'm just mm -hmm. going to say, um, this is called projection. Okay. Like I, um, because I know we're not going to spend like an hour on this dream, which <laughs> we certainly could do. Okay. Um, but so I'm just going to say this thing. This is, you learn how to get, you know, to where you really are speaking out of your experience of the dream. So I've experienced the dream as you tell it. Okay. okay. And I haven't spent a while making, you know, getting right down into it, but I'm going to speak out of my experience of the dream. All right. Which is not like I got this. Okay. It's just like, 
what do you respond to when I say this? What, what do you pick up on? So in my dream, let's see, I'm aware that I'm a little bit of a trickster and there's kind of this thing where I can cross into this other world of movie land, other people's stories and other people's dramas. And I can, I can move freely in and out of these sort of narratives. And I found a way to do that that doesn't cost me too much mm -hmm. to really see all these stories. But the authority part of me, the judge, the authority, mm -hmm. the rule keeper is like, you're cheating. You can't do that. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And in my dream, I see that, you know, I did pay my admission. It's just that I just stayed in there really long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kept moving around. So I'm kind of aware that there's some ambiguity around this. I mean, yes, it's a lie that I didn't, but it's sort of true. So I'm, I'm really interested with um, how am I, in my dream, I'd be looking for some aspect of myself that's kind of clever and a little bit of a, a just a little bit of a trickster to mm. get what I want, which is mm. kind of, unlimited access to story immersion into kind of other people's stories you know mm -hmm. and to maybe I'm kind of losing myself in in their stories or maybe I'm finding myself in their stories I don't know really but I'm there's some aspect of me some masculine rule monger part of me whose job it is is to mm -hmm. say you're not paying the price. Mm. Okay, so that's my sense of it. I'm looking at I'm looking at this interesting confrontation. Mm -hmm. Like society demands a certain price for this experience. Mm. And I figured out how to get it for free. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea what that's about. I mean, I'm just going to, what I'm doing, that is just off the top of my head, throwing out a, the way the situation feels. And I'm just it's just coming out of my mouth. Okay, so... I don't know if any of that has to do with anything that you would want to say, oh, there, that's, that's interesting, you know, or get a little yeah. nudge on that. I don't know. I mean, I can think of a few things, <laughs> but I wanna... yeah, I don't think I'm going to share them. <laughs> well, see, that's why it's like that. That's why I ask, okay, we can try this, but it's, it's so humbling. So like, but, that's but the, this alone, I mean, that's great that we just did that because I wouldn't think to ask myself those kinds of questions and then sort of put the pieces together, you know? But there's a there's an altercation and it's intense. There's a confrontation that's yeah. intense. And it's it's kind of kicking me in the butt about that, you know, there's there's something I get to pay attention to that is that sees my behavior another way. How do I want to engage with that? You know, it's an open question. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> so then what you get to do you know is look around you, know, you think about it you play around with it you you know do something to honor the dream and waking life you know like walk around standing with your arms like that and go okay what is feeling like a conviction is going on here you know yeah or playing with the idea of slipping in and out of stories movies you know of the frameworks of reality it's a little bit like interviewing people for a radio show <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> I mean 
I don't know. It feels like something is condemning about that. I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. So it's it's like, yeah, something that I think is okay is being told, oh, do I need to like learn more? So you can always, you know, these these characters and objects and situations and you know, animals and everything in your dream, they they're parts of you. So you can ask them, you know. Yeah. Sit down and have a little conversation with them. It sounds weird, but it's what writers do all the time. Kind of get taken away with, you know, they kind of say, oh, that character kind of came to life and ran off with my novel and look what happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they have things to say. Okay, so after having just done that, um, I have two final questions that I have for you. And then um, we can kind of do sort of a lightning round of the few questions that people sent in to me that they oh, wanted okay. to know about dreams. Okay. The final two, they're kind of connected. Actually, no, they're not. I'll ask the first one separately. But um, what is a common misconception about dreams that you hear people say a lot? What people, what so many people in our culture, Western culture, mm -hmm. assume is that they're just froth. They're nothing. They're meaningless. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are not the only culture out there. There are many other ways of looking at that. And so honoring the dream as, as something that has meaning and purpose, that it's part of nature and therefore has a place and a, a function. I mean, that is something that we don't take as seriously in this country and in general in the Western world. So, you know, that misconception that we can just dismiss something because we don't understand it or because it scares us, hold up. Who says we get to do that, right? Yeah. And I agree with you. Final one, even though your answer you just gave kind of ties into this question, but why are dreams important? Why shouldn't they be dismissed? Yeah. Well, the, the short answer is we are deep and complex, partially formed. I mean, the, I think of, think of a human as like an acorn mm. that has in it the ability to be an oak, all right? Mm. It's, this is not an ego project. You can't think yourself, you know, and plan your path into turning who, into who you really are. Mm -hmm. And so the dreams kind of are already coded with that, with that turn into yourself um, energy. That, that's what they're for. And so they, it's like manna, just a little bit, you know, every night. And you can... You can just grow a little bit every day. That kind of, what you get is what you need to grow the next day. And so the idea that you're in, and Carl Jung called this individuating, all right? It's not selfish. It's very hard to do. It's very demanding. You suffer, you know? Mm. You become more compassionate. You become more uh, brave. You become more creative. And, and it's very hard to do this, to keep growing. Yeah. all through your life, every single day. But that's what the dreams are helping us do. Yeah, It's that little psycho-spiritual DNA that's showing up and saying, here's a word that you need to turn into yourself a little bit more today, to lean into those hard places mm -hmm. and risk a little bit more. And then we become better people. And if I thought that this was only some sort of a project to, you know, entertain ourselves or do some navel gazing, I would not, 
I would not recommend it, right? It's not, it requires great humility. We're doing this in the service of, of something so much bigger than ourselves, so much deeper. That's where we get into that mystery element and it's, um, it's deeply good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's why they're important. Yeah. Otherwise we're kind of, we're just kind of making it up out of our heads. That's a good answer. <laughs> well, that's the only reason I'm into it. You know, <laughs> I'm convinced this is true. <laughs> yeah. I know I said it earlier, but I do love that you're so passionate about it. I think that it makes me excited about dreams and makes me want to, yes, it's hard work, but how could you not want to? How could you not? And here's something, this is cool. Listen, they're doing their work without us, actually. So Mm -hmm. the only practice that you really have to do is fall asleep. (laughs) That's my number one spiritual practice. I don't actually sleep all that much, but falling asleep is a spiritual practice. Then Mm -hmm. if you remember the dreams and work with them, that's the second level, you know? So just let, uh, allowing yourself the chance to turn off and just drop it. Let the let the unconscious balance you out and coach you up. And, you know, that's that's really important. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you seen the movie Inception? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I need to know how real it is. I want to know if limbo that's- is real. I want to know if um, five minutes in real life equals an hour while you're like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I want to know how, I mean, did they get stuff right? Did they get stuff wrong? How real is that movie? You know, I think there's a lot of just kind of playing around with it. And mm-hmm. that whole business about time and dreams, nobody really is sure about that for each. It's not like a rule. Right. The person who said that, it's based It's based on not a, not science, okay? Right. It's a funny story, <laughs> but I don't tell it because I don't get it wrong. But um, and But the things about those levels of reality, you know, and being able, I mean, yes, we, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes we, in the groups, if it's an intimate group and we feel pr- like we trust each other with this, we'll, we'll share a question. Somebody's got a real pressing concern and they just are at, turn into the dreams for some wisdom. We'll all dream the question. We'll write the same question down, put it under the pillow, meditate on it a little bit. And it's a kind of prayer, you know, it's like, okay, we're open to whatever comes. And let's just, um, so we'll all dream about the same question. And it's, you meet down there in a way, maybe Mm. gathering different images, you know. Sometimes this happens a lot in a dream group, you start syncing up, you know. And so there'll be the same theme, the same images that people are dreaming together. It's really, it's really predictable, actually. This happens a lot. Really? That's very Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe it's a group of six people. And it's like whoever's turn, you know, they've got two dreamers. We do two dreamers in a session. And um, those two dreams very often have something to do with each other, that they shed light on each other. It's inter- I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. You're into some deep mystery when you're doing your dream work. So I believe in having a pretty good structure and having a pretty good sense of, um, you know, understanding the, the nature of dreams and how they work mm-hmm. um, and so far as we understand it. And then respecting what we're doing and not just playing around. I'm pretty serious about that, but it's a, it's a real practice. Well, that being said, um, I have these sort of lightning round questions that other people submitted. Um, but the first one is what does it mean if I don't dream very frequently? You know, some people just don't remember dreams very much. Mm. So 
it can mean that really look at your wake up schedule. You know, if you're start if you're waking up with an alarm clock, that will banish the dream so just instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, some of this is just sleep. What they call sleep hygiene is saying, all right, let me let me just work with time and schedule a little bit just to make sure that I'm inviting dreams and making that possible. Not using a an alarm clock and you know dream sleep cycles are about 90 minutes timing your go to bed time so that you get the sleep you need so that you can wake up a little bit before you need to and finish out around um, that last sleep cycle is that's our longest dive into REM sleep mm-hmm. and that's what we wake up out of you know you are dreaming everybody's dreaming so the, the you can work on the memory part what does it mean if you have a dream where you are yelling for help but your voice isn't there. I mean, in some dreams, flying or teeth mm-hmm. falling out or, you know, things that are super common, they tend to kind of mean the same general sort of thing because they're human experiences that we feel the same way about. Like, so you just look at that one and you go, well, there's not like a book that says this means that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you just say, wow, if I'm in distress, screaming for help, but nobody hears me, I mean, mostly what you go is like, wow, how does that feel? What is it that's keeping me from being heard in the world Mm. at a time when I really need to be seen and heard? Mm. You know, I mean, what is it? And of course, with voice stuff in a dream, Mm. that the the voice box connects head and heart, you know, that neck dreams, voice dreams, that's that, um, Is it the fifth chakra? I mean, it's all about showing up in the world, creating your vibrations and speaking your truth and being recognized. There's, I mean, it taps into really deep stuff really fast. And it's important to look around and say, wow, when have I felt like that before? When do, how do I feel like that these days? What situation, what person silences me? Mm -hmm. You know, what institution, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You want to look around for that feeling. What does it mean if I dream about people that I haven't seen or talked to in years? First level, you know, you think, well, okay, who was that? What was that relationship? It's that relationship is kind of got a little ping from the dream world, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you think about that person's characteristics, though, you know? Right. Um, what you want to do is look not towards that person, but say, okay, what's the energy of that person? What was that relationship like? What what are characteristics of that person? And then where are those in me? What is that highlighting in me? Mm-hmm. So it does, it really, we dream about ourselves. But it is interesting, you know, that you get these people from third grade and um, you can ask yourself, who was I in third grade? Who was I in that relationship? What, what did that person mean to me? Or what did they, what, you know, kind of energy did they carry? I've got that showing up right now the there are two left what does it mean if i die in the dream oh i'm so glad you asked that many many times dying in a dream is a really emphatic way of picturing change transformation like deep transformation i mean death is a matter it's just like other symbols death is a metaphor or a symbol in a dream what is dying what in me needs to change so much that it feels to the ego like I'm dying? Okay. Yeah. 
And what would happen if you did change? I mean, usually a death dream, it's like something hard to let go of. I mean, if it's one of those things where you don't feel good about it. Yeah, ego's terrified. Because when we are doing that deep transformative work on the outside in our sort of normal lives, it's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's yeah. just too, it's so threatening to change deeply and truly, you know? Yeah. Just what, so, but interestingly, actual death, dreaming about, I mean, like, so people who are um, reporting dreams as they reach the ends of the end of their lives and are dreaming about death, it's, it's always pictured as something like, like frequently um, packing for a long journey. There was one classic. I just love this one. There's a candle. A woman who was right at the end of her life reported this. She saw a candle burning in the window. And then she slept. She woke up. And then she, she reported. And now the candle was on the other side of the glass burning outside. Oh. And then she died. So that light moves from inside to beyond. And it says such a peaceful image. They're not terrifying, you know, yeah. that they let the dreamer know this is coming, you know. Well, I have just one other lighthearted question, but you describing dying in dreams made me remember my sister and a friend of mine, they have had dreams where someone that dies in real life says okay. goodbye to them in a dream. And it's almost always around the time the person passed away in real life. Yeah. Um, have, you heard of, have you heard of that before? So much more than people report. Because I think, mm. I think people feel weird about it. You know, they don't want to tap in. They, they don't trust everybody to hear that, right? Right. So it actually does happen more than you might guess. And Which would tie into have, that um, that third level of yeah collective consciousness. Is that yeah. what you called it? Yeah, yeah. And some people are just really deeply tuned into someone. Mm -hmm. Some people have that ability to Carl. You can call it to see around corners. He mm -hmm. says, you know, we do have this. There are things we know, and we don't know why we know them. And it's just, I mean, he had a lot to say about intuition, mm -hmm. and. Um, that there's just a sixth sense that we just really, we have it. We actually do have it. And so um, it scares us a little bit sometimes when we see that happening in dreams. It certainly does. It certainly does happen. And also, I was just going to add, if people who are dreaming about people who have died, so someone who dies shows up in your dream, mm -hmm. you know, there's the kind of thing where you can go, all right, on one level, that relationship is still alive. But you can ask yourself, like, okay, is this a dream about that person's those characteristics? Do you do that three adjective thing? Or is it about the relationship and kind of really thinking back and looking at that? Or sometimes it's just a visit. It really is so emphatic. It's like the person is really there. Mm. And when that's what they're reporting, that's what we treat it as. Mm. You know, I don't try to analyze that dream. It is what it is. And you just respect it as that. Final question. <laughs> very, <laughs> very silly to end on. I mean, it's not silly, but okay, whatever. Um, someone wants to know, what does it mean if I dream about the color lime green? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I love that because there's this thing where you go, okay, well, what are your associations to lime green? So you, you ask, you throw it back to the person and go, well, what do you think about green? Well, that particular shade of lime 
right? And so, I, you know, somebody, if I dreamed about lime green, I mean, I really like limes, you know, that's just one of my favorite flavors and all that. But, but you know, that color is so alive. It's that bright spring green is sort of young and fresh and a lot of energy in it. So I'd be going, ah, is this like balancing out? Am I being offered sort of a balance to kind of like, as I was like a little too brown and gray, you know, <laughs> and yeah. my way of looking at life. So have a squirt of lime, you know, <laughs> or um, recognizing that, that there's some flavor and some color and some life and I needed to pay attention to it. Like, Oh, mm. avail yourself, enjoy it. I don't know. But that, but that whole business about color is really interesting because there are associations to color that seem to be, you know, kind of archetypal or you know, common, you know, across mm-hmm. cultures. So I'll have to send you the reference for that. But there's a website that has an interesting color chart. But really, it's it's the dreamer's associations. And you go, oh, is that correcting and balancing me out? Or is it offering me some, to like, hey, wake up, you got this. I would say this was a successful interview. <laughs> I enjoyed everything that you were sharing with me. Well, I, I've enjoyed this too. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'll be real interested to know um, what listeners want to wanna know and yeah. learn. And let me just say, I mean, people are welcome. So my uh, website is firebynight.net. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff on there. And, you know, including what's going on in town um, in Nashville, the mm-hmm. Union Circle and Sometimes there's some freebies at the library, although the library's closed right now. There's reference lists and stuff, so you can send people there. to And a free book you can download. I also, would you share what you told me last time, but would you share what Fire by Night means, where you got it from? Oh, right. So I call my, my practice Fire by Night because back in um, Exodus, the Exodus story from the Bible, the Hebrews are crossing you know, the desert for a really long time, like 40 years. In. But <laughs> <laughs> they keep messing up and getting back on track. I mean, I just love that story. It's everybody's story. And they're trying to get to the promised land. But, um, and the way they get there is uh, God leads them with a pillar of cloud by day and then a pillar of fire by night. Mm-hmm. So it's like the other way that we follow that great mystery towards the promised land. And it's, you know, kind of day and it's night wisdom. I love that meaning. I think it's very cool. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that we got to do this and I hope you have a great rest of the night and I hope that you have an awesome dream later. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. You too. (laughs) If you like what you've heard and want to support this project, If you're streaming on Spotify, it'd be amazing if you follow the podcast and download each episode as you stream them. If you're listening on the podcast's app, please give the show a five-star rating and it will help out immensely. Most importantly, of course, share these episodes with the people that you know. The theme song and audio production by Tip Frank, podcast artwork by Sierra Scott, Lydia Massey, and Kenzie Maroney. I appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to this. Until next time.